It's real interesting. This year, the fifth Sunday, we always have communion on the fifth Sunday. The fifth Sunday falls on this Thanksgiving weekend. And so we're putting together today Thanksgiving and communion. And I think that's so beautiful because I don't know anything more valuable for our time and attention and thanksgiving than the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So today I want to talk to you for a few minutes about Thanksgiving, communion, and freedom because we have freedom because of the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus. We'll start with Thanksgiving, and I want to take you to Psalms chapter 100. Many of you could uh, quote this psalm from memory, but uh, if, if you need to look at it, just glance at the screen. Psalms 100 says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness, and come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. We're his people, and we're the sheep of his pasture. I want you to notice verse 4, because there's a key here that you need to get. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Enter in. The way you enter into the presence of the Lord, the psalmist said, is with thanksgiving. Be thankful to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Anybody glad about that today? Aren't you glad that his mercy is everlasting? Aren't you glad his truth still endures? Go ahead and give him praise for that. That's fine. Amen. It's so important as a, as a child of God that you and I understand the, the, the priority that we should have on thanksgiving, uh, having a thankful heart, having a thankful attitude. I call it an attitude of gratitude. It's the first step in really entering into worship. The psalmist said, if you want to get into the presence of God, one of the easiest ways to do that, in fact, the key to doing that is to come before the Lord with thanksgiving. Now, the Scriptures give us many different types of prayers, and all of those are good. We're encouraged to come before the Lord with our requests. Make your requests known to God. That's Scripture. So we're encouraged to come with uh, prayers of supplication. Uh, we're encouraged to intercede before the Lord. And, boy, we need intercessions in the intercede, intercessors in the body of Christ, uh, people who will intercede with strong prayer and and, and pray for other folks and even pray for our nation. The prayers of intercession, they're so important. But all of these prayers, no matter what type of prayer you may offer to the Lord, needs to be prefaced or begun with thanksgiving. That, again, is how we get into his presence, with thanksgiving. And, and you, you've got more to thank God for than you realize all of us do. I, I thought this morning when I awoke, thank God I have two gifts from God that I noticed the first thing this morning. That's my eyes. <laughs> when my eyelids moved and I could see, what a blessing. Amen? Did you know that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from God? He's the breath we breathe, the life we live. 
He is everything, and we're supposed to be thankful to God in everything. So thanksgiving is so important. I really think that we should get to the place as we mature in the Lord that, that thanksgiving becomes thanks living, that we live in an attitude of gratitude, that we live with an air of thanksgiving about us, that we notice things to be thankful for, that we're conscious and aware constantly of the blessings and the goodness and the mercy and the grace of God. I want to tell you something this morning. We're, we're only here by the mercy and the grace of God. Amen. If God had, I, I, I look around and I know some of your stories. I don't know them all, but I know some of you this morning sure wouldn't be here if it had not been for the mercy and the grace of God. You, you'd, have been, you'd have been destroyed a long time ago. Some of you would be dead in hell this morning if it had not been for the mercy of God. But he just kept reaching to you and his, his long-suffering, his extended mercy and his extended grace and the call of the Holy Spirit kept wooing you until he brought you into the fold. And, and now you're a child of God. You're sitting here on a Sunday morning worshiping and praising God because God loved you so much that he didn't give up on you and let you go in the midst of your rebellion, in the midst of your despair, in the midst of your uh, whatever it was that may have been going on in your life. But God reached to you. We have so much to be thankful for. I encourage people in their prayer life to, to have at least a, 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 some sort of a notebook where you can just write down things that, that you have to be thankful for, especially answered prayers. It, it, this is important. Now, you, you may be one of those people that just love to write. You journal and all that. I, I'm not much. For some reason, I just never could get into that. Uh, I admire people who do. I think it's so neat because you got a running, uh, you know, record of everything that goes on in your life. I'm just not into that. But I learned a long time ago that it would benefit me if I kept a notebook handy when I pray. And when I ask God for something, I, I write it down. Here's my request to the Lord today. I write it down and date it. And the reason I do that is because when God answers those prayers, I go back and check them and put a date when God answered those prayers. Now, let me tell you why that's important. I, l- let me ask you this question. How many of you have experienced that? I've experienced it. Maybe you have too. Uh, sometime along the way, the enemy has said to you, uh, God doesn't hear your prayers. God doesn't answer your prayers. So-and-so prays, and every time they pray, they get a miracle, but you never, God never does anything for you. God, God doesn't answer. You must not have faith like somebody else. Has anybody experienced that besides me? Well, let me tell you, the benefit of keeping a record of those things that God answers prayers, because we have a tendency to forget what God has done for us. But anytime the enemy says that to me, I just grab my notebook. And I just start reading. I just say, thank you, Mr. Devil. Evidently, I need to catch up on my Thanksgiving today. Let me remind you that on June the 8th, 1963, God answered this prayer for me. And let me remind you that in April of 1967, God answered this prayer. And I'll read off. I'll just start going and he'll he'll leave you alone real quick because he doesn't want you to praise and worship the Lord. He doesn't want you to give thanks to the Lord. But you've got so much to thank God for. You can fill up, and I have, notebook after notebook. You can fill up with just thanksgiving to the Lord for the prayer 
prayers, that he, he answers it. He loads us daily with his benefits. We used to sing a song years ago, an old hymn of the church, Count Your Blessings, Name Them One by One. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. You know why it will surprise you? Because we tend to forget. But if you'll go back and remind yourself, you'll say, wow, I had forgotten that. Look what God did here. Look how God blessed me here. I prayed about this, and God came to my rescue, and God answered that for me. God brought me out of this situation. God carried me through this extreme situation, and over and over and over. And here's the thing about it. You can never catch up on your thanksgiving. Because while you're counting your blessings, God's already loading you with more blessings while you're counting those blessings. Amen. He just keeps blessing and blessing. Somebody worship him with praise today. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. So Thanksgiving is so vitally important. And as I said earlier, what better thing to thank God for than for the sacrifice of his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that God loved you so much? We read John 3.16 as it relates to the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But did you know that you wouldn't do any violence to the scripture at all if you personalized that verse of scripture and you could say, for God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son that I wouldn't be lost but that I would be found because it's an individual matter. He gave his only begotten son for each and every one of us. Another song that I think of occasionally is one that we sang several years ago. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Hebrews 12 tells us that for the joy that was set before him, Jesus was able to endure the cross even though he despised the shame. And today he's seated at the right hand of the Father and he's making intercession for you and me. What does that mean? That means that the joy that the Lord Jesus saw in advance that there would be in his life and in heaven over you coming to Jesus made his suffering worth Wow. Wow. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around that, but I believe it's true. I believe that God loved us that much that, that the joy he saw and the joy that's experienced. You know, we talk about angels rejoicing when people get saved. The scripture actually says there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repents. In other words, God himself rejoices Here's what I believe, because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father as our intercessor. I believe that, that when he sees a sinner come home, he, uh, he says, Father, it was worth it. It was worth it. There's another one that's responded. There's another one that responded. There's another one that responded. When he sees you, there's rejoicing in his heart because his love is so tremendous. And so we want to We want to couple that thanksgiving today into our communion service because we're going to come to the table of the Lord in a few minutes and receive the elements that remind us of the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and I read this almost every time that we have communion together. Paul said in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians beginning at verse 23, For I have received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is a time when we remind ourselves of his great gift. You know, the Apostle Paul who wrote this book to the Corinthian church um, you might remember if you go back in Acts, which is the history book of the New Testament, and follow the journey of the preaching of the Apostle Paul. Early in his ministry, he went to a place called Mars Hill. And that was a place where there were idols set up and images of all sorts of gods. And, and they met there the, the intelligentsia of the day. Uh, debaters, great orators would meet on Mars Hill and they would debate the benefit of this God over another God. And Paul stopped by there one day and he saw an altar to the unknown God and he said, let me tell you about this unknown God. There's a God that's unknown to you, but I know who he is. And I want to declare to you that he is the one and only God. And Paul debated with them, and, and, and apparently because Paul was a great orator himself and, and obviously a great debater, and it seems that, that he must have won the debate that day hands down going away. However, when you study the life of Paul, you won't find him debating anywhere anymore because history tells us that there were very few converts from Mars Hill and that experience. But somewhere between Mars Hill and the city of Corinth, Paul made this statement. He said, I am determined. Basically what he's saying from this point on, I am determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said, debating's over arguments behind me. I'm just going to preach Jesus and I'm just going to lift up Jesus. And he went, he went into Corinth with that attitude. And history says that, that with it, by the end of the first century of Christianity, you could find more than 30,000 converts as a result of Paul's preaching in the city of Corinth. Wow. <laughs> no wonder he said, I'm just, I'm just going to talk about Jesus. That's all. I'm just going to talk about Jesus Christ and him crucified. And can I tell you this morning, this must continue to be forever. The heartbeat. Uh, and, you know, we don't need cheap psychology this morning. We need a trip to the cross. Amen. That's what will change our own nature. And that's what will change the world. What America needs this morning is a trip to Calvary. It'll change it. If we, could get, if we could get people to see the cross of Christ and kneel at the cross of Christ, it'd take care of the race riots. It would take care of the killings and the murders. It'd take care of the hate and the, and the grievances. It would take care of the prejudice and all of that stuff. Amen. Give God praise. He's worthy today. Hallelujah. What we need is Jesus and him crucified. Paul said, I'm just going to focus on that from now on. You guys, rest of you, preach whatever you want to. You, you, you can do whatever you want to. But as for me, Jesus Christ.
and him crucified. And that's it. That's the message that changes the world. And Brother George has, has been responsible for, goodness, I don't even know the number now, well over 600 churches in India. And, and from his own home on Skype weekly, he talks with his ministers there and, and helps to tutor them and, and mentor them. And, and he and his wife make trips over back and forth. But if you had time to talk to him this morning, he could tell you over and over and again. And anybody else that's been to the mission field could tell you the same story, that the message of Jesus makes a difference. The message of Jesus changes lives. Jesus Christ in him crucified. Way back when I was just a teenager, I, I preached a youth service at a, at a convention in, uh, in uh, Savannah, Lamar, Jamaica. And at that convention, it was a, it was a big convention. Uh, our overseer there had been overseer of Jamaica for over 20 years at the time. And at that meeting, Sir Francis Carr Jarrett came and um, brought a proclamation from Queen Elizabeth in England. And I'll never forget listening to that man's words as he spoke to that large assembly of people. He said, the Queen of England has declared that the Church of God and Bishop Luke Summers and this wonderful assembly of you people have single-handedly kept communism out of Jamaica. You kept us communist free. Jamaica is free because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Glory to God. And, and, and I've seen it so many times. I, 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 remember, I remember seeing their people who once were bound with witchcraft and witch doctors would keep them coming back and they that week after week they'd give their money to witch doctors to keep them from some kind of uh, their fear of some kind of hex or some kind of uh, spell or something that they were going to put on them and and many of them were under the spell of demonic spirits that had been placed on them by by witch doctors and we would see them respond to the gospel of Jesus and they'd be set free and their lives would instantly change and in fact in fact there was a saying that went around in Jamaica in those days it said if you want to get rich join the church of God now here's what they didn't understand it wasn't the joining of the church that did it what made those people rich is when they got saved and the blood of Jesus broke that power of demon possession and demon oppression and demonic hexes and spells. When that, when that was broken, they were able to be healthy and strong, get a job and go to work and, and, and immediately begin to rise. Did you know that everywhere on this planet earth that the gospel of Jesus has been preached and received, people have been elevated they're always elevated. They always come up. The gospel of Jesus brings you up. Jesus died at Calvary to bring us up, to renew us, to, re to restore us into fellowship with the Father. It always lifts us. You've heard me say many times, I don't understand why any lady would not want to be a Christian because everywhere the gospel of Jesus is preached, womanhood is lifted to a new standard. Amen. 
Other religions will beat them down. Other religions will suppress them and depress them and, and abuse them and use them and, and misuse them and, and all sorts of them. Not, not Christianity. When you hear the, the, the gospel of Jesus, uh, some other religion may throw you down in the ground and say, stone her, but Jesus says, let her alone. Hallelujah. I don't condemn her. I'm going to save her and set her free and lift her to a whole new level. And that's what Jesus does. Let me quickly, let me quickly remind you again of the places from the body of Jesus from which he bled during that terrible crucifixion. And this is where we get our freedom. There are seven places on the body of Jesus from which he bled. And each of those was to purchase forgiveness and redemption from, for some area of our lives. First of all, he bled from his hands. Remember, they drove spikes through his hands and uh, probably through his wrist. And, and the blood that spilled from his arms was to redeem us and set us free and purchase forgiveness for everything that our hands had done that were sinful and against God. Secondly, he bled from his feet. Remember, they, they drove spikes through his feet on the cross of Calvary, and he purchased forgiveness and redemption for every place that our feet have taken us that was not pleasing to God. How many of you are glad that the Lord has forgiven you for where you've been and what you've done? Amen? Thirdly, he bled from his head. Remember, before they put him on the cross, they put a crown of thorns on his head. And those thorns were long, almost like spikes. And when they put that crown of thorn on his head, they took, the soldiers took reeds and beat it into his scalp. Those, those thorns literally went through the skin and hit the skull and come back out the skin. It's almost like sewing it to his head. And blood began to trinkle down his feet and down his face and, 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 and all over his body. And, and he was... He was purchasing forgiveness for us from, for every evil thought that we've had, every, everything that we have contemplated that was sinful and ungodly. But not only that, you'll recall that in the garden when man first sinned, that part of the curse that came with that sin was over our labor. Remember that? God said to Adam, because of your sin, you're going you're gonna to make your living by the sweat of your brow. And he went on to say that the earth itself is going to rebel against you. Your labor is going to be hard. You're, you're going to toil for your income. You're, you're going to labor. You, you're gonna, the, the earth is going to bring forth briars and, and weeds. And when you're trying to plant corn and beans... The earth is even going to rebel. It's, it's going to be hard. Your labor is going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. That's part of the curse. But how many of you know that Jesus came to redeem us from the curse? Amen? So when he bled from his head, remember, curse, sweat of your brow. Jesus bled from his head. The blood of Jesus redeems us from the curse over our labor and over our work. Amen. You can claim that by faith when you come to the table of the Lord this morning. Some of you need a job. 
What you ought to do when you take communion today is you ought to exercise your faith and say, Lord Jesus, you shed your blood that my labor, my, my vocation, my, my work, my employment would not be difficult and my toil would not be what it, what it was under the curse. And I'm claiming that today. We've had, I've had this happen many times when people get a hold of that and grasp it and come to the table of the Lord and offer to the Lord their labor. I've had people have been looking for jobs for months and they come back and say, preacher, I don't understand it. What a miracle. This week I just got a job. Or God just redeemed me from a bad situation at work. Or God moved that boss that was giving me a hard time. And, and, and God is able. Amen? He actually suffered for that. You, you mean, preacher, God cares about my work? Yes. Yes. God cares about everything that concerns you when you're a child of God. He cares about those things. Let me move on quickly. He bled from his face. Remember when they jerked the beard from his face and left nothing but a bloody stubble of the chin? He purchased forgiveness for every sinful word that we'd ever spoken. He bled from his back. Remember when they beat him with that cat of nine tails, that whip that literally ripped him apart until one of the prophets said it looked like furrows. It looked like they'd plowed his back. It looked like plowed ground but he purchased our healing Isaiah said by his stripes we're healed and then from his side remember on the cross soldier took a spear and threw it into his side they thought they'd killed him for sure the enemy thought he'd gotten the victory but David said there's a fountain filled with blood set up in the house of David for sin and uncleanness Sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilt and stain. That's for our transgressions. That Hebrew word there for transgression is rebellion. Every time we've overstepped God's authority or stepped out of from under God's authority in our lives, He forgives us from that for that. And then finally, the bruising from the inside, blood. When, when you bruise your body, what, what happens when your skin turns pale or purple or blue? Or That's because capillaries and, and um, blood veins and blood vessels have ruptured or, or, or been violated, and, and it's bleeding underneath the skin that causes that bruising. Isaiah said, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The Hebrew word there for iniquity is perversity. It involves all, any and all kinds of immorality. Jesus took all of that. May I say to you this morning that I can't think of anything, any sin ever committed, any wrong ever done, ever done that the blood of Jesus doesn't offer redemption for forgiveness and cleansing for praise the wonderful name of jesus he did that for you and he did that for me we ought to be thankful amen we ought to be thankful to the lord for his goodness and grace to us amen i'm going to ask you to stand with me if you will all over the congregation today and we're going to come to the table of the Lord.
It's at the table of the Lord that we take these elements, these elements that are representing his body and his blood. There's there's so much more to communion than just taking a piece of bread and, and drinking a little bit from the cup. It, it's a spiritual thing. We do these natural elements to remind us of the spiritual work that he does. And Paul, I, I read to you from 1 Corinthians 11, but if you read on past where I read you'll find Paul talking about the importance of discerning, rightly discerning the body and the blood of Jesus. In other words, Paul is saying if we come to the table of the Lord with faith and really believe that what he did works and it was for us and we can appropriate that by faith into our own lives, then as we take those elements, we can have literally a miracle from God in our lives. And I believe today that great things are going to happen here at the table of the Lord if you'll come with that kind of faith. Don't come just because it's routine. Don't come just because we do it ever so often. Come today in faith to the table of the Lord. We invite you to come in just a moment. I'm going to ask um, Pastor Reagan if he'll join me at this table over here and And uh, Brother Tommy Ridgeway, if you would join me here. Brother Charles Langster, if you'd join me over here at this table. And and Pastor Roger, if you'll help me in just a few minutes to serve those who are on the platform and and in the sound booth back there. We're going to come to the table of the Lord. Now, let me tell you about communion at New Hope. You don't have to be a member of our church to receive communion. You're welcome to come. It's not mandatory that you come. We don't want you to feel like you have to come today. That's up to you. But if, if you so desire to receive communion today, we welcome you to come to the table of the Lord. But I do want to encourage you again to come with faith, believing God. If you're unsaved today, I don't know a better place to give your heart to Jesus than at the communion table. If you'll come this morning and as you take these elements, if you'll say, Lord, forgive me of my sins, I believe that the blood of Jesus washes my sins away. And I believe that your body was beaten and sacrificed so that I could have complete healing, spirit, soul, and body. You can receive that today. If you need help with your labor, come believing God today for whatever it is you need. Relationship, whatever it is, come believing the Lord today.